0: everybody to another episode of our Franklin Faith Forum. That is our new title, as we have a new faith leader with us, Uh, and we will check in with her shortly, but we'll quickly go around the room. Uh, First, we'll say hello to Dr. Pandora Carlucci, who is my co-host. Pandora, how are you?
1: I'm doing fine. Fine, Jay. How are you this morning?
0: I am doing great. Great. Couldn't be better. So, uh, we will start. We'll we'll go to Pastor Jacob, welcome him, and see what's going on in his world. So, things at the Franklin United Methodist Church are going uh, quite well. We
2: continue through pretty much the month of, of February, going through the Gospel of Matthew together. We will be uh, celebrating Fat Tuesday and Ash Wednesday this year, which is, uh, the start of the season of Lent, uh, which is a holy season of preparation as we prepare to celebrate for Easter. Uh, we, we, As of this recording, we don't have when the Ash Wednesday service will be set just yet, uh, even though it's in a couple weeks. Uh, But we do know that we will be having a Fat Tuesday pancake dinner on Tuesday, February 21st. The dinner will be served from 5.30 to 7. You can come whenever uh, in in that block of time. Get a pancake, have some sausage or some sort of meat and a beverage and enjoy just the time of fellowship. Uh, For those that may not be aware, Fat Tuesday is uh, a pretty traditional, actually, Christian preparation for the Christian holiday. Uh, The season of Lent is a time of fasting and, in some sense, deprivation. And so it was the tradition in the church to rid the cabinets of all your flour and sweets as you prepared this holiday uh, or this season of preparation. Uh, And so we'll make pancakes or sweet cakes for for that time. So all are welcome. It'll happen at the church, 82 West Central Street in Franklin. That is that sounds great. Anytime you can have pancakes for dinner. I know I know it's somewhat controversial for some breakfast for dinner, but it's a holy endeavor on Fat
0: Tuesday to do such a thing. So, please join us, Jay, and anyone I, else. I uh, we just had pancakes for dinner last night. So, uh, we try to make it a weekly tradition in my house. So, that's awesome, Pastor. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Rabbi Tom. Well, it's great to be here. Um, Let me
3: see. First of all, from my personal perspective, uh, in uh, less than two weeks from the time we're taping this, I'm going to be flying off to Israel for a week for a a rabbinical convention. So I'm really looking forward to that. And shortly after I get back, we will have our food-based holiday coming up, <laughs> which is Purim, where we read the Book of Esther and the story of the uh, effort to uh, uh, destroy the Jewish people and its failure. Um, and so we will be doing several things. We have a um, – there's a tradition of a Purim spiel, meaning a Purim play. That is to say a play based on the Purim theme. but Typically updated to all kinds of contemporary in all kinds of contemporary ways. This one um, is uh, Sesame Street based, and there will be singing. <laughs> and the uh, title is Shin is for Shushan, Shushan being where the capital, where uh, the Purim story takes place. Uh, that will be on Monday, March 6th, at start uh, with the deli dinner starting at 6, and then the Purim Spiel and, and the reading of the Megillah, the, the Book of Esther. And then we will end with the eating of hamantaschen, which are um, triangular pastries uh, filled with all kinds of different things. Um, uh, the uh, Some sweets, we're also starting to do Savories, so people are getting creative um, And the um, Word, several meanings But one is, is Haman's hat It looks like the three-corner hat that Haman wore So it's, uh, those are wonderful And we have uh, our special Hamantaschen bakers at the temple Who will be putting those together So anyone's welcome to join us Just register on the temple website For March
0: 6th for our Purim spiel uh, Megillah reading and dinner in uh Rabbi Tom, if you could remind us of the website for yes. people to go and register.
3: Okay. Uh yes. This <laughs> I wish it were easier, but it is <laughs> Temple Dash or hyphen
0: dot org. Awesome. That's great. And just to take a step back, Pastor uh your uh congregation Ew. or your church's website. Do you have uh, that?
2: Yeah, it is franklinumc.org. So
0: Franklin, like United Methodist Church, UMC. Great. We Thank did, you. I don't think, uh, Pandora, we, we talk enough about that. We should bring that up, try to every month, uh, because so many people can check. And you, you both, I'm, I'm sure, post a lot of your information, what's going on. And everything there. And everyone
3: can get links to
0: all of our websites.
3: Another option is through the Franklin Interfaith Council page. And
2: that website is franklininterfaith.org. Oh,
0: that's easy. That,
1: that's the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one.
0: But it's it's also, I'm sure you can do a search uh, to, Absolutely. to find all of those uh, different sites and everything. Sure. Awesome. Well now, as we did at the end of our last show, we ended it by saying goodbye to Reverend Kathy McAdams. Now we're fortunate enough to welcome Reverend Doreen Auten of the Franklin Federated Church. Uh, Reverend, how are you
4: today? Hi, Jay. I am Grateful. I'm grateful today. I'm grateful to be here and to be among all of you and to participate in this radio show. It's, it sounded like a lot of fun, so I was uh, honored to be asked.
0: That's that's awesome. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, what brought you to our little uh, radio station right here.
4: Yes. Um, I grew up in Medford. And for most of my life, I've been a Massachusetts person. A few dips, I I, uh, spent a few years in New York and a few years in the Washington, D.C. area, but otherwise have been in Massachusetts. So I grew up in Medford, raised my family in Westford, and then my last call before this one was um, in Leicester. So I was in Central Mass for about 13 years. This, so this is this part of the state is new to me. It's it's lovely. It's it reminds me a bit of Westford in terms of the demographics and the, and the size. Um, but it's. So I I moved here because I got the call, and Franklin Federated Church has a parsonage, so I got to move in right next door to the church. The commute couldn't be easier. (laughs) And it was wonderful this past Sunday when we had pipes bursting and we were evacuated from the sanctuary. I said, well, let's just go next door and wait at the house while we wait to be cleared. And then the fire department said, we're we're not clearing you. You're not coming back in. And so they said, we'll just have worship here. And we had worship in my living room and dining room. And it was just beautiful. It's really special.
0: That's that's awesome. I'm sorry to hear about the pipe issue. Is it, <laughs> um, is it something that's going to be a long-term issue for you folks?
4: It's um It's been... It's happened a few times with these cold spells, yeah. and so we got some recommendations just to to shore up with portable heaters in the basement where the cold parts are. So we're hoping that it won't keep happening. And the repairs, the plumbers and the fire department, everyone's been great in terms of coming up and get us up and running pretty quickly. So we're planning worship in the sanctuary this Sunday. We'll see.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. it, it, Unfortunately, you heard so many uh, cases of that. Over the past weekend, with the, the yes. <laughs> which the cold we had, Mike, mm. our heat couldn't keep up with it. Mm. No matter how high we hit mm-hmm. the heat, the temperature kept drawing, mm. dropping.
4: So now, how long have you been here? I moved here at the end of September, so about four months now. Mm-hmm. awesome!
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you'll find that uh, Franklin is a welcoming community, and and there is a lot to do. Just even, and you're right across from the town common.
4: Yes, which is sort of right. uh, It's one of the bevies of activity. It was right still there. a month left in the farmers market when I moved in, so I got to walk across the street every Friday and, and get some wonderful goodies. Last night I attended my first meeting of the newcomers and friends oh. in town. It was like you say, it's just so warm and welcoming. People couldn't be nicer. I, I've loved it. I've met with um, some town officials, the superintendent of schools, the town administrator, and again, everyone's been so helpful the interfaith council is is amazing so yeah it's it's been great
0: I I can't say enough positive things about the superintendent mm-hmm. mr Jagir. he yes yeah. Pandora knows yeah. I've known him for years he taught both my kids mm. and we're we're very it was tough to lose our previous superintendent but we couldn't get a better replacement so that's great you've
4: Right. And met. I found cribbage games at the senior center. <laughs> um, and, and I get met with the social worker, although I understand she's resigned, Mary, uh, from, from the senior center. But a lot of resources available in this community.
1: I think they're, yeah. um, you know, refilling the positions mm-hmm. and, and everything is moving forward in a very positive way. And your meeting last night for um, Newcomers and Friends, I think it was in the Escape into yes, yes. Fiction bookstore, which has become... A real community gathering, welcoming place. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's great that, that you had that opportunity. That really introduces you to a lot of, of the community. And, yes, uh, yes. It's wonderful.
4: So some of the things going on in at our church that I'm excited about. So for Ash Wednesday, we're going to have an open house. The sanctuary will be open from 3 to 7.30 p.m. So people can stop in, get ashes. There'll be some music playing in the sanctuary. You can just sit in, in peace and absorb that. Uh, and then at around 725, I'll just do a brief closing prayer service to cl- close that out. A real passion of mine is, is racial justice. I've been, I'm a certified racial justice facilitator, uh, and I've done a lot of work with that in the United Church of Christ. And um, I found a passion for it at Franklin Federated. So that was such a great fit for me going there. They they're, uh, they were a, a member-initiated social justice team that initially started off focusing on racial justice and spread out because there's so much intersections with all those issues. And our social justice team is going to be hosting an online training. It's called Training Active Bystanders. Um cool. Wobbin Mediation is going to run it. It's a Zoom workshop. It maxes out at 25 people. So their space is limited and it costs $15. But it's going to be about how to interrupt things when someone is making hostile or aggressive comments or how to intervene in a way that brings a positive response that doesn't make things worse or escalate it, but addresses what's really happening. I think it will be Incredibly valuable, and we welcome the community. So I'll send out information uh, about how to register for that.
1: That is exciting, I, and I like the idea that it 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 involves the bystander because yes. so often the majority of the people involved in some of these horrible incidents are bystanders. Mm-hmm. And to give you some tools mm-hmm. to know what I'm thinking, that's what it is. It's right. going to give you tools. Is is that correct? Is that's that-
4: exactly it. You know, I was I was in an incident on September 11th, a few years ago, I was on a a ferry boat and someone, and there was a group of darker skinned people there. And someone started saying, look at those, you know, just being very insulting. They're up to no good. And I, I just didn't know what to do or say. And I just said, hey, you shouldn't be saying that. But I had had a moped accident that day. I wasn't at my be- And I just felt helpless. Like I wanted to say something, but I didn't know what to say. So I was sharing that with my social justice committee. And they said, we should do role plays or we should do something. And then I found this organization and mediation that, that has a curriculum for this, and we'll run it. So, yes, I, I think that helplessness that we can feel when we're witnessing that is awful. So to have some tools, I think it can make a big difference.
0: Ford, you said it is capped at 25 people. 25 people, people yes. Uh, where can people go? Can they go to the Franklin Federated Church's website for a link to register um, for that, or how does that work?
4: yes. I don't know if the link is on the website yet. They can email me yeah. at ffcrev, R-E-V, at gmail.com, and I will connect them. Awesome.
1: For those who listen to this show, uh, either previously or on a regular basis, you'll know that we always have a focused uh, subject for discussion that our faith leaders research and identify. And this month, our focus is going to be on what are the sacred texts in your faith tradition. So we're we're going to turn it over to our faith leaders, and they're going to explain what these texts or books are, probably something having to do with why they are sacred texts, and why the level of importance, and how they are enveloped and a part of, their traditions. And so we're going to see who has a level of comfort in leading the Discussion. As, so, as
0: everybody points to the new girl, <laughs>
1: it's never easy to be the first, the first one. And so, um, Reverend Otten, I think that uh, they have all selected you. Do you have a level of comfort in le- leading this offer? Would you like to? No, I ask I, someone else.
4: I I have been trained to say yes when asked to do something. So I'm going to say <laughs> yes to this. And I have not done much study, but I did write an ordination paper many years ago where I had to talk about these things. Um, so our sacred scripture in the Christian tradition is is the Bible. I like to think of the Bible as a library more than a book. It has a lot of different books. And the Christian Bible is separated into two main sections, the Hebrew scripture and then the New Testament. In terms of volume, the, the bulk of it is the Hebrew scripture. And then the smaller part is the New Testament, which contains the four gospels the um story of the early church it told in the book of Acts and then the epistles or the letters to various faith communities as as the as the faith grew as so right Jacob that's our scripture that is our's <laughs> our so this is book. where um, yes.
2: you know the United Church of Christ Baptist Church and the United Methodist Church are in full alignment in terms of the books we recognize uh, as our official sacred texts. The only thing that I thought of in terms of this specific com- conversation is, is there is controversy Maybe a little bit too heavy handed of a term, but there is some dispute over what those sac- sacred texts are within the Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. So I think you can correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, but for Methodists, we don't recognize what's sometimes called the Apocrypha as sacred text. They are, they can still be used and referenced as secondary texts, but they are not the primary texts from which we right. draw our faith upon. And, and they're
4: in some Bibles and they're not in other Bibles, the Apocrypha. So I remember I, I, I used a reading in this worship service once from Sirach and someone called me and said, I'm looking it up and it's not in my Bible. So yeah.
2: Right. Uh, and so that Far from an expert on the traditions that use the Apocrypha, but I do know, for instance, that the Roman Catholic Church does.
4: And I loved in the study guide Jacob developed, he used the word canon. So the collection that is authorized, so to speak, or recognized. And and it's just so interesting to, to realize that in the early Christian church, there was no canon, right? And so different faith communities used different letters, different readings. And then it was only when the the councils gathered in the 300s, 300, in that's the 300s, in the fourth century, yeah to decide this is in, this is out, and and sort of closed the canon. And you know the UCC has a, has a slogan: God is still speaking. Uh, never put a period where God has placed a comma. And so God spoke through those other texts that didn't make it into the canon. God continues to speak to us today, but this is the book. And yes, I, and, the, and it's closed.
2: And my final addition for that would be to say that in our doctrinal standards, what the words that are used is is that the scriptures hold all things necessary for salvation. So that's how the scriptures are understood. And that doesn't mean that these other texts aren't helpful or beneficial to our spiritual life. But the canonical books of the Bible are contain all the necessary information you need to know. The rest is good and great, but these are the most important parts.
4: I had a seminary professor describe it this way, that, um, you know, if you play a game of soccer, you you lay out the field and you have rules. And you can kick the ball off the field and do whatever you want, but that's not soccer. So if you want to play Christianity, this this is the book, these are the guidelines, these are the, the precepts the creeds, et cetera. Um, it doesn't mean that anything else doesn't have value, but it's just that's not the, the Christian field.
2: Now, I would be yeah. interested to know Rabbi Tom's take on yes. this simply because we Christians in rel- relative to Judaism are the new kids on the block. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we rearranged the Hebrew scriptures. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, um, and added to the scriptures as... Sorry uh, for that. <laughs> you know, so I would be curious what the... Kind of traditional Jewish take on scripture. Sure. is. I'll be glad to. Let me let me start with the fact. First of all, when it's for
3: for those in Radio Land, we say canon, it's I got one N in the middle. It's yeah, not the boom right. boom kind. <laughs> yeah. The second thing is, I've been very pleased to note that with the growth of fan fiction, the concept of canon with that one N has moved out of a mm-hmm. purely religious realm, and people understand it in all kinds of ways. So you get the idea of a, a set group of things. Well. In Judaism, it's always complicated. Everything we do is complicated. That's part of our fun. Our really, (laughs) our sacred text in some ways, our real sacred text is the Torah. And the Torah is not the same as the Bible. It's not even the same as the Hebrew Scriptures or the Jewish Bible. It is the first five books of all of of the Jewish and Christian Bibles. And in Jewish tradition, it is believed that this was given to Moses at Mount Sinai from God. Modern Jewish thinkers tend to be saying it's more, it's a human product and it's God-inspired, but, but it's, it's power and the reason it, it's, we focus on it is the sense of it being sort of directly from God. Then, so that's the, that is the, that's the Torah. Then a set of other important books were put into a kind of canon called in Hebrew Tanakh, Tanakh being an abbreviation for to- for the Hebrew words Torah, Prophets, and Writings, which are essentially the Hebrew Bible slash Old Testament in a different arrangement, as uh, Pastor Jacob was saying, that, that we've used and that have a kind of power not quite at the same level as the, as the Torah, but often refer to direct divine actions. And so, you know, that, that's obviously a big deal. I will then add, if you want to study some Torah, the standard Jewish way of doing it is you have a page with a little bit of Torah that's right in the middle, and all around it are people's commentaries on it because in Jewish tradition, the whole way you read these texts requires looking at other interpretations. There are already sections in our service, there are already sections from the prophetic books that are used as kind of commentary on Torah texts, and we read them each week as that. But then you know you have a whole set of jewish texts about how to live called the Mishnah and the Talmud which are rabbinic discussions often using uh, words of Torah or words of Tanakh of the rest of the the Hebrew Bible and interpreting them and discussing them, and they have a kind of sacredness to them as well. So, you know, the Torah is a central sacred text, but there they, are levels of holiness in all kinds of uh, Jewish texts, and and you cannot really... I, I know in, in Christianity there is, coming out of the Calvinist tradition, there's the idea of, of the, the scripture alone. You just look at the Bible and you can't you know, by studying it directly, just looking at the text, you can understand what God wants. And we don't really have that in Judaism. It's always you look at it in terms of what are the interpretations, what have all the people said, and you get back to that image of the page, the little bit of text with all the commentary around it. The real question is, what's your place on the page? How do you interact with these various interpretations. Do you agree? Do you disagree? How do they teach you how to live? And how do you decide how to live based on them, not necessarily following them, but based on them? Wow. That's really interesting. It is. Probably more than anyone wanted to hear, but whatever.
0: <laughs> no, I thought it was great.
1: When when you are working or, or studying with the members of the temple mm-hmm. and you have... The page, and you have the statement of Torah, and you have the thinking of everyone else. Mm-hmm. How do you discuss it? How do you interpret it? How do how do you how do you move from the page to Saturday
3: life? mornings, ten o'clock, Templets Hyem, Come join us for <laughs> what I have tried to call bagels and Bible, and no one else buys that term. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Uh, our Torah study group. Uh, so what we do—I'll tell you what we do—we take—often people look at the Torah portion of the week and study that, um, and there's a separate section each week. We, we've decided not to do that. We're just going through the Torah sequentially. We've been at it for about 10 years now and are halfway through Exodus. So um, we—so— for those who don't know, that is a book and a half of the five books of the Torah. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we read a paragraph, and I say, anybody have any questions? And people are, have learned to start saying, well, wait a second, what's this about? What's this really mean? And and so forth. And then we talk about it. I often bring in, here are some of the uh, the traditional texts interpreting this. What do you think of that? And people will say, yeah, that makes sense. Or people will say, oh my gosh, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. And we then have a conversation about that. So it's a combination of their questions and their interpretations, the traditional interpretations, and it all goes back and forth.
1: Very interesting. It, 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 it's important to learn how others use this. And yeah. I would think in the in the Christian portion of the, the Bible, how, how do you take a section or a thought or a, a take a particular step? expression and unpack it with your congregations, either one.
2: So we have a similar gathering uh, that I lead on Wednesday nights, so I think it's a good opportunity to share. We meet on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Most Wednesday nights, because I do have a family, and sometimes the schedule has to shift because of that. But our process is actually very similar to what Rabbi Tom just mentioned, so we'll take a text and then kind of ask some basic questions. What are things here that are inspiring? Are there things here that you have questions about? Are offended by? Um, and then and then go about trying to unpack those questions and what it might mean for our lives uh, today. In that particular, in in the my Wednesday night group, we did have an. A very fascinating discussion recently we've been going through the gospel of matthew and jesus's sermon on the mount and the question came up when we read the sermon on the mount which is one of the largest blocks of jesus's teaching in the new testament is jesus speaking to us or is jesus speaking to those first hearers and how do we navigate how do we navigate the 2000 year difference between the way the audience would have heard it and the time and culture we live in today? And so that, those are some of the ways I think that we and I, and I don't think it's un, its that much dissimilar to what Rabbi Tom is talking about his process with his with the temple is. You know, mm-hmm. of how does this text apply and speak into our world and how can what's being said impact the way we either understand the world or interact in mm-hmm. it? And that understanding and interacting can be two different things depending on the text.
4: You're in Matthew now. Do you go to another gospel? Like, how is is there a plan? So we've for been. So we
2: do studying? a thematic. We've been doing thematic, not sequential. Typically, do thematic series at the Franklin Church. So for right now, we are going sequentially through Matthew. We're using. Here's a good two cent seminary word, we're using an inductive method of Bible study, which means looking at the text within the text and not trying to go beyond it at all. So for instance, in Gospel of Matthew, what is Matthew saying and what does that mean? Not what is Matthew saying and what does some other part of scripture have to say that maybe supports this. So we are looking just within the gospel for now. But within that study, you still have Thousands of years of commentary on that one text—you know, on that one text—again, very similar to mm-hmm. Judaism in that context.
4: So, at Franklin Federated, I started what I call a lectionary Bible study. So, there's a cycle, a three-year cycle of readings that is recommended by the uh, Revised Common Lectionary Committee, uh, and so you'll find a lot of Christian churches preaching on the same text each week. So the lectionary consists of a gospel reading, an epistle, usually a psalm, and then another thing from the Hebrew scriptures, a prophet or something. And so I'll, I'll, I have it at my house at the parsonage on Monday morning and we look at the texts that are recommended for the following Sunday so that this can inform my preaching in a way I get input from from members of the congregation and we'll just read each of the passages aloud talk about them individually and then why why were these put together by the RCL what what's the common thread what's the theme and again questions like who who is who is this for how does it apply to us does it apply to us are there metaphors that are used that made sense in those ancient times what might be a an updated metaphor to replace that. So really trying to unpack that. And we have between six and nine people. So there's lots of ideas. Um, and it's funny, I have a study Bible, so I'll read the notes in the study, but that's very different from what from the, what the rabbi is talking about with ancient commentary all around in the margins. Uh, a study Bible is whoever produced that Bible has some thoughts about it. So that's how we do it here. I have in, in my previous setting done thematic or parts of the book, look, looking at epistles, looking at the Torah and so forth—a deeper dive into each of those.
2: But I will say, so this is a good question for the both of you. So when I'm looking at a text, particular, say for Sunday morning, I'll use what we would call just a commentary. And in, in the Christian church, on the mm-hmm. Bible, there's text anyone who can com, write. Baby. There's text all kinds. <laughs> there's all kinds of commentaries of various academic levels and Mm -hmm. various ways of approaching the scripture. And I find that most of my Christian clergy colleagues kind of have a specific set of commentary that they they like to lean on. And so that's where you'll gain a lot of your preaching insights from. Uh, I'm curious, Doreen, do you have a favorite commentary that you have on your bookshelf? And then I have a specific different question for Tom because it may be asked differently for him.
4: I do not have it on my bookshelf, and I don't know how people prepared worship before the internet. I, totally <laughs> I You know, when I was in seminary, I learned of this website, textweek.com, yep. and it connects you to a lot of different common areas. and And from from hundreds of years ago to as recent as – this year and in and, and current college. Oh, that's one of I my favorite of my tools favorites, as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: There's another, uh, it's an electronic one, it's free to everyone called Working Preacher. Yeah. I believe it's workingpreacher.org. It's from, I think, Calvin College, maybe. Um, and they'll provide the commentary on the RCL right. readings. And you can
4: link, link onto that from textweek.com. Yes. So, yeah. yes.
2: Um, I, I have specific commentaries I like to use. Um, the New Interpreter's Bible is kind of the academic. Standard. That's one introduced to in seminary. That's the one I almost always turn to for the Gospel of Matthew. We're reading through NT Wright's commentary mm-hmm. on Matthew. Mm-hmm. It's called the Ma- the Gospels for Everyone series. But for Tom, I was curious about mm-hmm. in Judaism. You just mentioned. Texts that are kind of built-in commentaries, not like standalone things. So, is it that does it work that way? Do you have like a specific oh, area uh, of, say, the Talmud that you like to so rest in a lot, or yeah, is there so
3: in so in addition to the Mishnah and Talmud, which are themselves, which are, are you know, are fascinating texts, but are there's a particular they really operate kind of parallel in some ways to to, to the. To the biblical text, they're organized in a different fashion. It's a there's a whole story about that, but there are commentaries directly on passages of the Torah. the The classic one is by Rabbi Solomon Isaac, known uh, Rabbi Shlomo Yitzhaki in Hebrew, known by his initials as Rashi. But you know, and so these are verse by verse commentaries, and they do exist. And we have all, and, and so there are all sorts of those. Um, what I I have modern commentaries and, and interpretations, the, 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 the reform movements, the Torah, a modern commentary is one of my favorites. I think it's really well done. Uh, the conservative movements called Hayim, not about our temple, uh, <laughs> is, 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 is an excellent one. I mean, there are all kinds of those. But what I actually tend to like to do is take... The way the, you know, I was referring to those to, to the text with a whole bunch of commentaries around. It uh, it, it it's called in Hebrew a mikraot gedolot. That is, uh, a big Bible. Uh, and mikraot gedolot. There's a version that I like to use for that that's been translated into English, makes it easier, speeds my reading up. Uh, but you know, I've also got Hebrew text that I can find uh, of sort of uh, on any particular you know. And so you've got there are tons of. Thoughts about uh, particular verses and that, and once I, I sort of home in on there's something that intrigues me about this text, this you know this this these two or three verses, and then I'll read to see what lots of people have said about it and see if that gets me sort of to where I want to go. But you know there are also all kinds of incredibly modern contemporary takes on it, and um, you know and they're useful too.
1: How do you um, direct your Faith communities. If someone wanted to read and reflect at home, these seem like resources for faith leaders. Are there also? Well,
3: I I will say that in Judaism, that part of the idea is you really don't. We don't so much want you to stay right. and reflect on it at home. Yes, we want you I to wonder. do it in community. The traditional Jewish way of studying is. Uh, which we don't do too much around it here, though you could do it, is something called a chevruta, meaning a a, um, a friendship group or a, a partnership group. And typically that means two people looking at a text and saying, what do you think it means? This is what I think it means and having a real conversation about it. We tend to do, you know, small group instead. But the the, the idea is... That you re- it isn't just the text that you want to engage in. It's the other person. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we're not big on just sitting there and reading it yourself. Join into in groups, which doesn't mean that there aren't tons of texts. As I said, the Torah, a modern commentary, is a good solid text for people if they just want to read it on their own. But I'd rather they showed up, either in person or on Zoom. We've got both. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bagels are better in person.
4: But I, I think also um, it can be used as a devotional practice for someone at home um, to read a passage or what they call Lectio Divina of, of mm-hmm. just – seeing what, how God wants to speak to you in that moment. So there's, there's certainly a place for individual reflection on the text. But I think in terms of trying to understand the message of the text and what it means to the community then and, and today, that, that, yes, communal discernment is so important. It's, it's just so important.
2: Yeah, I, um, I would agree with that as ter- the preferred method. But I would be, as a pastor in a tradition that has its roots in the holiness movement and started, arguably, started the holiness movement, mm-hmm. individual reading of Scripture, God, the, the Holy Spirit can move through the individual reading as well as through the communal reading of of Scripture to uh, work what Scripture is supposed to do, that is, convey the knowledge of salvation, of, of God's eternal love and God's purposes in the world. So I think it can be absolutely be done individually. But I agree with the cautions that have been spoken. When you only ever read it individually, you miss out on some of the balance that having another reader with you can provide. So uh, if I'm reading by myself, my own biases can be confirmed very easily. When I read in community, there's a uh, a give and a take there uh, Mm -hmm. that stretches one to see in new ways.
4: Well, you know, when I first felt, as they say in the business, a call to, to ministry, and I applied for seminary, and I was accepted, I thought, I hardly know the Bible at all. I should probably start reading it, right? So I, I just got the Bible and, and just started reading from page one. And it was so overwhelming and confusing, and I didn't understand any of it. And so I was so relieved to get to class, to seminary, and have them say, no, no, that's you don't do not do it that way, right, or... Um, it It just was helpful to have some direction. So so it was a good question, Pandora, about how do we guide our parishioners, our our church members, our temple members in studying scripture? And there's some there's some good good books about how to understand scripture, what it all means, and how to look at it.
2: But I, I would just mm-hmm. say though, and and I'll only speak for myself in in the way I understand myself as a clergy person reading scripture. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself as an authority more as a fellow practitioner and journey person on the way. Uh, and so I think in some traditions, that is very much v- different. That is a clergy person is the authority and you know, what they say is the official understanding. But for me, that's, that's not how I see myself as a clergy person. And, and I think that fits well within, well within kind of a Protestant understanding and reading, reading of scripture. That is the lay person or the person in the pew has just as valid an understanding and insight as I do, and then that gets back to and needing to put all of that in conversation. Yeah. Yes, and and I'd say the same uh, from the the Jewish
3: perspective. I mean, the word rabbi means teacher, and so that's what I view my job as. It is not I am not the the, the person who is making the decisions or telling them what they can do. I'm trying to share with them, these are things the tradition has uh, to say now that you know it, figure out what you want to do with it, and help me learn from from your figuring.
0: You know, listening to all of you discuss this, and just a great, great conversation, where in your specific faiths would you put, in terms of almost job responsibilities— the importance of the subject we're talking about now versus there's obviously there's things you do that are everyday things that are once a month. Where do you put that? Is this one of the most important in terms of sitting with members of your congregation and and helping them and leading them through? Like you said, you're you're at the same spot, uh, Jacob, as the people that are sitting there with you. But as the pastor, you probably facilitate it. Where do you put that in terms of importance for not just yourselves, but also the members of your congregation?
4: I put it very high, yeah. very high. It's central, I think. It's a, it's a core responsibility. I remember, again, in my, my discernment process for become, becoming a minister, my my advisor said, your your job is to bring Jesus into to worship every week for, for, the, for the Christians, or, or and yeah. this, is, this is our sacred text. So to have knowledge of it and be able to, to use it in pastoral situations as well as um, helping people grow in their connection to God, I, I think it's very important. And again, I, I have no problem going beyond it. If people have other readings that they like that feed them and nourish their spirit, that's great. But I, I will always come back to this is this is a foundational scripture for a text mm-hmm. for us.
3: There's a text that we put into the prayer service uh, in the mornings that says, uh, "These are the obligations that are without measure, whose reward too is without measure." By which it means, these are the obligations that you always have, and that the you know, and the, that there is is no, and, and that they are. are that God wants you to do and is so concerned, so, fo- so happy when you do them. And it lists a bunch of things that, you know, you would think are fairly important things, uh, uh, honoring father and mother, uh, uh, you know, visiting the sick, uh, rejoicing with married couples, all those kinds of things, you know, all, all the, the, the things that we would call, um, you know, looking out for making it a better world, all those things. And then it ends with, uh, this is from the mission that ends with, but the study of Torah is equal to them all. And in our interpretation, to clarify what, that, that, what I think that really means is because it leads to them all. Mm-hmm. Um, so the value of this study is that it helps you focus on how to live a better life and how to make a better world. Is it the only way to do it? Of course not. But uh, let me speak from a Jewish perspective. But it gives you a Jewish flavor, a Jewish understanding of all of the issues. They say that uh, there's a text uh, from the Talmud about the Torah says, turn it and turn it because everything is in it. Um, And that means that, you know, you keep looking at it. You keep – each year we look at the same text again and Mm. each year we find something different. So – it is that process of being involved and connected with it that should not just be uh, an academic topic that leads you off to say, oh, that was interesting. Now, you know, um, now I'm going to watch a cooking show, um, It is just fine, but it is that this helps you live the better life that you want to live.
2: I think it's the—I agree 100 percent with that, and I would just go so far as to be very explicit and say it is the most important thing that I do as a clergy person. Uh, and this is where then that statement gets controversial, more so than pastoral care, more so than anything else I consume my time with, because if it's done well and people are engaging it, back to what Rabbi Tom said, all the other things fall in line mm. such that people can care for one another and the world becomes a better better place. I was thinking of the scripture when you asked the question, um, and I'm going to butcher it because scripture memorizing scripture is not my spiritual <laughs> gift whatsoever you'll be better than me, uh, <laughs> Trust me. but uh, there's a there is somewhere uh a scripture that essentially says how will they know if they've never heard oh and i think my role as a clergy person is to help people hear and engage what they hear so that then all the other things fall
0: out from it, it, it that's the it, it. You all kind of answered it the way I thought you would, but I thought it would be good to kind of clarify it. It it is, fortunately or unfortunately, I reference everything to like my life involved with sports. And being involved as an official, the most important thing is to, they say, get into the rule book. They want to learn and be able, because there are different interpretations. And that's a very simplistic way of looking at what you folks do, but I think it's the same kind of idea.
4: Let me just say that I just get overwhelmed with gratitude about this vocation that I have that forces me to engage with Scripture mm. regularly. You know, I have to. I I get paid for it, but but I I have to in order to be an effective minister. What does it mean for you, Pandora and Jay, to engage with Scripture? You don't have to, right? So why would well, you? Do you? What does what it mean? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we, we, we want to thank
4: Reverend Doreen
0: for her last visit on the show. <laughs>
4: well,
1: Jay, your, you had a sports reference. I think I would have an education reference, and, and I—, I Listening to you all, I'm thinking of teaching and learning, and it's it's teaching and learning. And you talked about the communal voice, and and uh, as we teach and and learn, speaking for myself, learner, you know, we we learn, we listen, we we, you know, that's uh, I, I didn't even really understand the question, but I. I I, we
4: want so much to share this yes. this gift. Yeah. And, and
1: we're learning from it, the gift, and, right. and would you I, say?
0: I agree. Mm-hmm. And Pandora and I have talked about this since the first day we did this show. That, and, and I think today is a perfect example. We have just sat back, let the three of you talk. And at least I do. I learn so much.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. and, Tremendous.
0: And I love hearing different perspectives from different churches, different religions, and I think that's what kind of opens people's minds, and and hopefully there's at least one person out there that listens to us, doesn't have to be the same person every month, but <laughs> they get the same kind of feeling. I, I feel when we walk out of here that, I don't want to say a little smarter, but I've learned a little bit more than I knew when I pulled into the parking lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, for me, is successful, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a learning experience. We, you know, receive your knowledge, your, 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 everything. It's just a learning experience. So we, we thank you. And, and I, I, I hope we do have more than one person because I, I think people listening would are learning as, as well.
0: Yeah. Well, and I th- I'm, sh- I would think we have more than one person, but, you know, it, it, I was always taught if you can have a positive impact on one person, I know you being in education, if you have that one student, it is a positive, you've done your job. And I, I just, I think it's interesting and it's been this way since we started it and you, we learned something different. And just hearing this stuff, at least in my everyday world, I wouldn't necessarily be hearing it. So I'm very thankful that we're involved with this because it gives me an outlet to learn that I wouldn't have had if we weren't doing this show. And that may not answer your question at all, <laughs> but it certainly ate up some time. <laughs> and that was the big goal. Uh, anything else before we get to Pastor Jacob, who's going to give us our, our closing thoughts and reflections.
2: So, in my tradition, there is a typically a Sunday. In some congregations, it happens every year, and some other congregations every few years, where children are presented with Bibles, and um, and various churches I've served those ages have fallen anywhere from a six-year-old who's just learning to read and you give them a children's Bible to a high schooler or a graduate who receives a full adult Bible or even a study Bible. And what I wanted to do to share, I wanted to share part of the liturgy of that presentation of of the scripture because it actually piggybacks quite well and this wasn't necessarily foreseen of some of the comments that were made today. And I'm gonna scrub it up just a little bit so it has more of an interfaith appeal, but I wanna offer uh, this as a a closing thought and benediction. So as uh, children come up, they they face the clergy person and the pastor says, uh, and I offer to our listeners, receive these sacred texts, learn their stories and study their words. It's stories belong to all of us, and these words speak to us all. They tell us who we are. They tell us that we belong to one another, for we are the people of God. And so I want to just leave with a closing reflection to say, I hope whatever your tradition is, you will dive into those sacred texts. You will learn their studies and study—learn its stories and study its words, and then join a conversation group about it, whether it be in one of our congregations or your own, um, because the stories
0: belong to us all. Amen. I, I think, Pastor, that what you just said at the end, uh, in terms of people joining a group, it doesn't have to be their congregation. You can go to— any one of the three of you, any other uh, faith leaders that are doing this, and I I encourage people to go to the uh, franklininterfaith.org where you can get the links to to everyone's um, various church, but you can join the discussion. You don't don't have to be Jewish to go and sit down with Rabbi Tom and talk about things with his group. And I think you're all saying that, which I I think is a great option for people out there.
1: I think there are a lot of opportunities to explore houses of worship, to explore thought, to learn, and we see them in our community. They are informal ways and formal and more formal ways, and uh, thank you for making them available for sharing your contact information, the URLs, for welcoming people, and I know the other congregations do as well. And we would just like to thank everyone today, and we look forward to seeing you all virtually in (laughs) another month.
0: Awesome. Thank you all very much. Thank you.